Mellow greetings, everybody. I am Brandon, here today with the original Demolition Man, Paul. Yo, yo, yo. And the son of the Taco Bell piano player, Dan. What's going on? And we are watching Star Trek, the original series. Today we're going to work on Season 1, Episode 1, The Man Trap. The original air date was September 8th, 1996, or 1966, sorry. And we're watching it on Amazon Video, the remastered edition. So if you want to watch along, go ahead and boot that up and have a quick watch. I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it this time. Uh, the episode opens with uh, some narration of a captain's log. Uh, Star date is 1513.1, and the Enterprise is orbiting planet M113. Uh, Mr. Spock is temporarily in command. First thing I've noticed is that they have some pretty spiffy new uniforms compared to the pilot. Yeah, um, I uh, I saw they had the black little uh, turtleneck thing this time, and I, I immediately noticed, oh, they got new shirts now, like they're. And I also noticed at the beginning the um, it was kind of a log, a long monologue with a lot of details right at the beginning. Like as soon as you get in there, like they tell you exactly what's going on, what the date is, the star date, everything, like. That's a lot of information really quick, and I found that interesting. Yeah, they also didn't open with the show's opener, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like, it's, it's just a lead straight in instead of, you know, going with the opening theme and all that. Another thing I also noticed, by the way, is uh, it was a lot of color immediately. Like, a yeah, lot of absolutely. red. There was a lot of color, and not just color, but even, like, even race color. Because, like, you know, episode one, it was kind of, there wasn't no, let's be real, there was no color in that episode. There was nobody. But like immediately, like you see Spock, you see like people in the background, like it's it's red, it's different colors. Like it's one thing I noticed immediately, like there was a lot of like they um, expanded the uh, cast a lot immediately, and then there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of like brighter red everywhere. Yeah, the only familiar face in the bridge right now is uh, Spock, so yep. that's that's pretty interesting. Um, well, it also looks more high tech also now. Yeah, the the bridge got a little bit of a. a an upgrade, I guess. Yeah. Um, but the planet that they're orbiting uh, holds the ruins of a long-dead ancient civilization. Uh, the Enterprise surgeon, Dr. McCoy, uh, and whoever is narrating the episode are beaming down to the planet's surface. Uh, they get to the planet, and it's a, a b kind of boring desert-like planet. Uh, pretty similar, I think, to the one on the pilot. I don't know if they just kind of reused that set. And I wonder if we're going to see like a more variation on planets. I understand like a desert one's probably the easiest one to do, but if they just continue to do that, it's going to get incredibly boring. But their mission is to provide a routine medical examination of an archaeologist, uh, Robert Crater, and his wife, Nancy. Uh, Dr. McCoy makes mention that Nancy is the, the one woman in his past, which would indicate that she's kind of like the, the one that got away. Um, so there's a crew of three that is teleported down to the planet they don't tell you who the other guy is like you can assume obviously that the one is the captain that's narrating and then there's dr mccoy and then there's a guy that they just don't even mention <laughs> and they go down to what looks like some ancient egyptian ruins which is pretty interesting considering it's kind of an alien world uh but the captain grabs what looks like a, a handful of wheat growing and makes a little joke about uh, to Dr. McCoy about, you know, old girlfriends and expecting flowers. And, and then McCoy says something to the effect of, well, you know, is that how you got all the girls was with bribes? And then they both kind of have a, a little laugh about it. But that just kind of gives you an insight to their relationship, like kind of like in the pilot. Like, I wonder if all of the different ships, they, uh, for some reason, the doctor and the captain are pretty good friends. Like, I don't know why they would have a really close relationship, but we've seen that twice already. 
it's funny you mention that because I put it in my notes. I'm like, I immediately saw their like their friendship and their kind of banter because I thought about you know when you when you as guys being guys, you kind of just joke with each other and and their banter. I found that kind of uh, interesting from the beginning that their friendship was kind of one of the ones like, oh, here's flowers. Like it's something I would do say with one of my friends, you know, joking around. Yeah, I wonder where like the the significance is of the captain and the the ship's doctor or surgeon being friends so far twice that we've seen like do they just spend a lot of time together for some reason on the ship i can't imagine that as long as they're not you know consistently fighting and people getting sick and hurt that they wouldn't really cross paths too Past much the, yeah i I'm, I'm assuming that i'm hoping that in the future we learn that they've been around they've been together since the beginning or something like that so they've been really friends for the good friends for you well, well the doctor looks a lot older than captain kirk yeah yeah he does look a lot older uh, so they enter the ruins, uh, and they find themselves in the home of, uh, Dr. Um, Crater. And so the captain starts some kind of weird little scanner like object. Uh, they don't tell you what it does. They don't even really show it. You just kind of hear some noises and then he kind of abandons it and it just, you, they don't talk about it ever again. Uh, so I don't know what the point in any of that was. Like he just presses a button and starts making noises and then he shuts it off and he's done. Um, Actually, in the I, I listen. I actually watched the subtitle when I was doing it, and it says tricorder beeping. Oh, really? So that's yeah. a, okay. I've heard of a tricorder, but I yeah. didn't know what they were. Which is, it's I, I, coincidentally, I, I watched it with subtitles while I was watching it, and I went back to make sure it said the word tricorder because I put it in my notes. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I think I've it, heard I, of that. I just didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, did you look up what it does? Um. No, I didn't. I just kind of. I thought it was. I thought it was called, a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a tricorder. But I thought the tricorder well, I, was a communication thing. I assumed it was a medical device to check uh, his patient. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it said tricorder beeping, so it was weird. Yeah, I kind of thought that's what it was too, And then, but there's no patient in the room. I thought maybe he was just like getting something ready or just like doing some kind of weird scan of the room. But they, they didn't say anything about it, and he just shuts it off. He's like, okay, that's good. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to use a small x-ray on you and not tell you anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he asks uh, Dr. McCoy if he's nervous, and McCoy talks about how he hasn't seen Nancy in 10 years, which is actually pretty interesting because one of the things that we kind of didn't talk about from the pilot is that they had mentioned uh, when they went to rescue the survivors on that planet, and they talked about how they could get the survivors home faster because they have unlocked the ability to travel faster than light. Um, those survivors had left and started exploring like 18 years ago. So you can assume that within the past like 18 years is when they really started discovering everything. So this guy kind of had this love interest and then it can be assumed that, you know, the 10 years that they haven't seen each other, like a lot has happened. Like they've unlocked the ability to go to other planets, like at light speed and she's already off and doing this thing. So it's kind of a weird time frame that like people are just kind of freshly out exploring the galaxy. And here this guy is running into a love interest that he saw potentially before they could even, you know, do that. And like maybe they had, maybe these people, you know, went to this planet and took the long way. So it's, it, maybe it took them like 10 years to get there. So it's kind of just an interesting thing. Like we, we don't know the, uh, the speed of light to mileage or years, uh, potency or not really we don't know how long it is so it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to say okay 10 years is 10 years really 10 years or the, or like how long has it been like so we don't know how long it takes to travel from planet to planet so they could be on the way of this they could have saw her you know when it went on this huge journey across the whole galaxy and it came back to you know it's just it's kind of interesting how time float you don't really know how time works yeah i wonder if they're going to address how, how the time dilation happens when you're going 
close to the speed of light, if not faster. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go, you know, going forward to that, since it is, you know, in the, the time frame of this episode, at least, it's a relatively new technology to them. Yeah. Um, so at this point, they hear a woman singing outside, and she enters through the door, and uh, she comes in, and she calls uh, Dr. McCoy by his first name, so his name is Leonard McCoy. And so she appears a lot younger than him. Like, you can immediately notice she, she looks like she's... You know, maybe he he likes the younger ladies. Uh, but uh, Dr. McCoy introduces uh, the captain as Jim Kirk. So we have, you know, Captain Kirk here. Uh, so it, it kind of switches to Captain Kirk's view. And Nancy appears to be a little older as, yeah, a little older than we saw her just a second ago. You know, she's got some wrinkles. She's got a little bit of gray hair going on. It messed with me, I swear. So, like, the first time I saw it, I thought, yo, is that the same? I missed something. I actually had to go back. I went, I went back and I'm like, oh, it's supposed to be like that. And then uh, when you hear it, as, as uh, each person looks at her, I'm like 30 seconds ahead, there's a little sound, like a little um, doo-doo. It's, it's, it's this weird like sound of like letting you know that something's weird or something's dreamy or something's changing. I found that interesting because it kept popping up consistently. It, it, was at like, it was like an audio cue. Hey, something's going on here. It's strange. Don't worry. We'll explain it later. Yeah. Uh, and at this point... Um McCoy introduces the unnamed third man who just he doesn't look like he's gonna be very important like you he just kind of has that look of of that guy that they just grabbed because they know they're not gonna need him very long like hey Uh, janitor come with us really quick yeah like hey can you throw this on and come down to this planet with us uh so the third man's name he's crewman darnell uh, so he, he he gets a look at Nancy and he sees her as a young blonde woman instead of the brunette that she was uh, to Kirk and McCoy. And he says that she looks exactly like a woman he met on Wrigley's Pleasure Planet, which is the weirdest thing that we are traveling at the speed of light for less than 18 years and we already have a stripper sex planet. Like an entire planet for that. Like Wrigley's well, Pleasure Planet. Well, my question planet. is why would you leave? Right. Yeah, and... and like, how long has this guy been in the military? He's a pretty young guy. Did they stop off there during one of their voyages? Like, is that an episode we can get later? Is like maybe just a, a flashback of Wrigley's pleasure planet? Well, another thing also is um, when he says that, though, maybe it was already established like that and they happened to go there. Because think about it, they can't be the first person to do all the, visit all these planets. Maybe they're the second or third uh, race or civilization. So maybe... Maybe there's a planet literally that's just for ple- like a pleasure planet that they go to, and just women there are just for pleasure. Yeah, but it's that's funny, like how was when it got there. How well was this planet established? You know, it, sure, maybe like some of the other races of the galaxy already knew it was there, and humanity is just finding it. But I get the feeling that it's one of those things that as soon as we unlock the ability to travel at light speed and go to other planets, somebody was like, well, "I'm going to make me a sex planet," and then he j- he just goes and does that. I would like to think that uh, Captain Pike is just there and he's like i'm not leaving this planet just give it to someone else and that's why he's no longer on the show yeah he went to the wrigley sex planet to hang out with his green animal women slaves uh but at this point uh mccoy just basically shuts darnell up and kirk is is like yeah you know maybe you should go outside and (laughs) darnell's like yeah maybe so so he just leaves uh kirk's gonna follow them outside but nancy kind of interrupts him and makes mention to dr mccoy as plum which is a, a terrible nickname. Like, I've, I've heard some bad, affectionate nicknames, but Plum is just awful. And uh, Captain Kirk kind of finds that amusing as well. Uh, so at this point, Nancy offers to go get her husband, Bob, and she 
steps outside where Darnell is just right outside the door, so he didn't go very far. And he's just kind of doing that, like, cool guy, I'm leaning against a rock kind of thing. Uh, and Nancy yeah. is once again appearing as the blonde woman from Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. Uh, so she makes a, a remark about the heat and tosses this kind of like, it's not even really a jacket. It's kind of like a shoulder wrap, which I can't imagine is making her too warm anyway. Like kind of serves no purpose kind of thing. And then she walks again and or she walks away and she stops to kind of give him, you know, one of those, hey, you know, come this way glances. And he's like, well, yeah, absolutely. So as they step off screen, uh, the show opening plays now. So we get, you know, the whole narration. I really enjoy the intro theme to this. Yeah, I uh, I put intro, cool. And I and I also noticed um, a subtle thing. It said it's a five-year mission. They, they emphasize five years mission, not a, not any kind of mission. So I'm assume, so kind of like, oh, it's a five-year mission. So I guess they go out, they leave Earth for five years. They travel around, they come back to Earth. And then give them all the, hey, here's all the planets we've seen, everything we saw, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really, they didn't specify how, what this five-year mission exactly, like what what the re, what the end result is supposed yeah. to be. And, you know? and that only makes me wonder is within that five years that they've been on this mission, I, th- I think we're probably at the start of it, I would assume. I don't think that they would, you know, make this show at the end of a five-year mission. But within the five years that they've been on this mission, is that when Darnell went to Wrigley's Pleasure Planet? Or did he go beforehand? <laughs> the answer that we all want to know. Yeah, that's what I want the show to be about, is just Darnell going to Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. Every day. But I did also notice during the intro that even in the credits, they refer to Spock as Mr. Spock. And why is he Mr. Spock and doesn't have, like, a military designation? Like, why is he Mr. Spock? Mm. You know what? I, I don't know. And then the other thing I noticed is that the CG for the ship during the opening actually looks really good for having been done in, you know, the late 60s. Uh, I don't know if that was redone for the edition that we're watching. Yeah, I think it was redone. I highly doubt that it was. Do you think it was? I I don't think it was redone, like, again. I think it was redone, like, after the pilot. That's the only thing I know. Like, so I, I thought it looked pretty good myself. Yeah, it's definitely not like current day CG, but I mean, yeah. for being from you know '66, mm-hmm. it's really not bad at all. It holds up. Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't hold up as much as like I think is. It's not about holding up for it. I think it just it fits. You you look at this and you don't get that all. Like it doesn't fit. Like oh, this is just terrible CGI. It just somehow you're watching it. You're like you know what, this just works. Yeah, and that's the thing is like in the very beginning of this episode when the ship is having that holding plant or holding pattern orbiting the planet. The planet looks good too, and the ship. Neither one yep. of them really looks out of place. No, nope. but they they both look like they could have been a little more modern, maybe not like high budget, mm-hmm. but they they look good. Which I mean, I just I think it just looks great. So maybe the re- maybe remastering they went in, went through and kind of made it a little bit. Better. Yeah, maybe clean it up a little. Yeah, probably. Um, so we come back from the intro and we have another captain's log uh, narration, uh, just talking about what happened when they each saw Nancy. So you can tell that the captain's log is kind of an after the fact thing. And like, maybe it's him, you know, going back and remembering all of this stuff or just kind of giving his log at the end of the mission. It's definitely not like something that's happening, you know, right now, uh, which is kind of yeah. an interesting thing, like to be narrating from that point of view. I, I find it clever. And it also, um, it, it gave you de- it, it kept it, the details. Like the, every time he talks, I always found the details very, very interesting because it keeps you engaged in the story, lets you know what's going on, gives you all the details. So we got to see the captain, like how his brain worked and how and how he kind of kept things going. And I, I found it interesting. Yeah, and it's nice to have those details coming back from what was obviously meant to be a commercial break as well. Yep. 
God knows, the, you know, today when the commercial breaks lasting 25 minutes, I the few times that I actually sit down and watch something on TV, I forget mm-hmm. what the hell I was watching by the time the, it's done with the commercial. So, yeah. um, But at this point, we have uh, the archaeologist, uh, Dr. Crater, uh, coming into the room, and he just shows some immediately dislike for Captain Kirk and his crew. And he he just really doesn't want them there, which is just immediately suspicious. Like, you kind of get the idea that he's he's kind of a bad guy. He really just says that the only thing that they want is to have more salt tablets, and they want to be left alone. Which, I mean, hey, don't we all? I was going to ask, did they mention in the episode if there's any other people on the planet? No. Uh, no, just, no, just yeah. him and his wife. So you think he would be happy to see someone. Right. But, I mean, maybe he's just, like, super introvert, and he doesn't just want anybody around ever. Just, just give him your his salt life. and go away. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how long it uh it says how long they've been without human contact, but a lot of times you think about it, when people don't have human contact, they kind of get in that solitary mode where they don't want anybody around them, whatever. I just put down he was a jerk. Yeah, I, he's I, a definite I, jerk. Like, I, I just put down jerk. Like everything, every time I opened his mouth, I thought, yeah, bro, like take the bass out your voice. Like we're here to let's get this test done so we can get up out of here. And you can be on your little planet by yourself. But he didn't want, you know, he didn't want the test. He was like, talk tablets. Like his whole attitude was just so. Yeah, immediately so, you know, too. Yeah, immediately too. Yeah, his attitude was so just so bad. I was like, man, what's wrong? What's up with this guy? Yeah. So uh, McCoy then insists that he has to give Bob and Nancy their inspections, and obviously Bob's not super happy about it. He's just like, you know, I, I, don't, I really don't want to do this. And then McCoy says, well, what you want is unimportant right now, but what you will get is required by the book. So he kind of, you know, lays down the law. He raises his voice a little. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, we're doing this thing whether you want to or not. Yeah. So then Captain Kirk also kind of steps in and lays down the law and tells uh, Dr. Crater that all of the research personnel on alien planets are required to have their health certified by a starship surgeon at one-year intervals. So to that effect, we can kind of... Uh, surmise that maybe they haven't seen anybody in about a year yeah. but also for somebody that has to have this done every year maybe this mm. is i mean maybe this is their first year you know on the planet but i mean it has to happen every year so i don't know i like to um once again like they that one line you just read the the whole interval thing that to me was so like smartly intelligent and done because like it explains why they're there it explains the reason by it, and it explains we're not making we didn't we didn't come to this planet just to make an episode. Like this is because we have to come here to do this health examination. We're not here to we're not here as no random occurrence. Like we didn't randomly run into an asteroid and end up here. Like we're here for a reason, and that's why this is going on. Yeah, very specific reason. Yeah, that I mean honestly, reason. that's just some solid writing. Um, yeah, but Bob still doesn't want to do it. He's he's like, well, you know, that, that's kind of too bad. Whatever. So Kirk is like, whatever, I'm just, I'm going to leave this to you, Plum. You know, just that kind of nod dude, to, uh, to dude, he said Plum. He called him Plum. I was like, oh, yeah, that's your best friend, bro. Oh, yeah. your best friend. Would hear, would hear, you know, hear your mom call you by your by her nickname. Like, oh, are you Pookie? Hey, hey, Pookie. Like, what's going on, Pookie? Like, bro, only my mom calls me that. You can't call me that. Does any friend call you that forever? As a, as a joke, it's just, like, you can really see their dynamic of their friendship when he said Plum. That's when I was like, oh, I smiled, actually. I smiled. I was like, oh, okay. Like they're they're friend they're really good friends. And then he kind of corrects himself, and he's you know McCoy. Um, so at this point, uh, Doctor McCoy is doing an examination on Bob's back with some kind of weird little scanner thing. Uh, and Bob thinks about you know the name McCoy. He says he's he's recognizes it, and that Nancy had talked to him about it. Um, and then Bob asks both Kirk and McCoy if they had seen Nancy, and that makes Kirk kind of immediately suspicious. But then Bob kind of 
switches tone and he gets like super he gets really nice and he's like oh you know go ahead and have a seat over there blah 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 mccoy then talks about nancy says that you know she's hardly aged and you know she looks 25 and doesn't have a gray hair on her head and, and which at which point captain kirk is uh then calls him bones so now we have bones and plum uh so tells her you know yeah she's she's definitely got a little gray on her hair and she hardly looks you know 25 and mccoy kind of looks at him like dude are you are you serious like did you see that woman um so then bob just immediately is like yeah well you know mccoy you you're seeing nancy through the eyes of you know your past attachment to her and i'm i'm sure when you know when she lets well when you see her again you know she'll be of a, a believable age which is uh, he really kind of tripped over his words and started to reveal something there uh and at this point you can tell bob knows a lot more about what's going on with that than he's willing to tell at this point um and then dr mccoy wants to check bob's tonsils with one of those tonsil sticks which is like a super archaic thing to do when you consider the technology that they have and he's he's insistent about it. he's like well you know i just i'd like to do things the old school way like dude that's that's like the caveman way compared to you know what you have yeah. now i'm sure hey they had to cut costs somewhere to get that upgraded technology yeah like look we can either you know get you guys another ship engine or something to scan tonsils so you know you either get the stick or the ship engine your choice right well the sticks work for thousands of years uh we'll take the stick yeah, yeah why change it now i think interesting about that thing was the fact that he knew the old school style and the new school style of training of like yeah. not, well that's what i find interesting more yeah, than anything. I didn't I'm think like, oh, okay. Yeah, he knows how to do old style and the new style. Like, he knows both styles. So I was like, oh, okay. So that's interesting to me that he knows how to do things the old way and the new way. So I'm not sure if that's something they learned in the um, just in case med- the instruments don't work. Like, hey, the instruments might have an issue. Here's the old school way of doing it. Because yeah, would that have been a this- separate class in his college? Just yeah, like old school medicine? Like that. Yeah, or, yeah, or like a, this is like, because th- in my head, I think like, I try to think about us. Like, this is thousand years into the future. So to think that their technology is so far advanced, but they still respect the old medical way of doing things that the people actually even attempt to learn that. I was going to say, I think that's a, I think that's a good point. Uh, they're out, out there traveling the galaxy all by themselves, and you can't always rely on technology. You would have to do things the old way sometime. Yeah, that's exactly, and that's what, that was my whole thought about it. I wasn't, I was just, I, I picked up on that kind of into my brain. I was like, that's kind of weird you're doing that old school. I thought, oh, okay, I guess he must know the old ways and the new ways of doing things just in case technology doesn't work. Uh, so at this point, they hear Nancy scream outside uh, and everybody goes running outside and they arrive at Nancy to find that Darnell is dead. And who would have seen that coming? The guy that they didn't bother to even mention when he was in the shot of them teleporting has died. Uh, he's got some kind of like purple circles all over his face. Looks like it was like some kind of suction cup thing. I, I put bad hickeys. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Death by hickey. That's terrible. They put. They say. Uh, they say he has red like modeling. On yeah, his modeling. Face. Yep. I'm. I'm like, what? The, what is modeling? Like, I didn't look it up, but I just. It's a weird. A weird. Uh, a word. That, that I've never heard term. the word before. Uh, and at that point, Kirk reaches into Darnell's mouth and pulls out uh, a little green-looking like piece of a plant. Uh, so Kirk that is, annoyed me. Yeah, he just that annoyed right me. Into his I, mouth. I put. I put. I put. I put. Scream. Weird. He just reached in his mouth. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 no rubber gloves. No. Oh, this thing. What mouth was killing him? No. Like, bro, you. He. The guy's dead. What if that actually killed them by touching it? You die. 
That's his like, uh, his standard procedures. Every time he sees a dead body, he just immediately puts a finger in their mouth. It's not because he has to; it's because he wants to. Yeah, he just, just reaches in his mouth without gloves on, bro. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, hey, you don't want to know he does before the autopsy. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Captain Kirk starts asking Nancy what happened, and uh, Bob speaks up and says that Darnell ate an untested plant, which Bob wasn't even in there, and like obviously he saw them pulled a piece of plant out of his mouth so he you know his time there he may have recognized it but just immediately he's like nah he ate a bad plant like it happens all the time um nancy says that she went looking for darnell to tell him that she wasn't offended about the pleasure planet comments and she said that he had a borgia plant in his hand and that he took a bite of it and fell uh so it must be one hell of a potent plant because they were only out there for like maybe five minutes but mccoy looks over at nancy and sees her as the same woman that Kirk sees. So now they all see that kind of aged, you know, graying haired woman. He but the, the he didn't mention it though. Like he No, like he did a double take for sure. You keep looking at his eyes like he keeps really staring at her. And I'm not sure if he's staring at her because like he's so like into her from all these years. Or looking at her like, yo, where'd the gray hair come from? Like if you look at him throughout the whole scene he keeps staring at her over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely recognized that uh she did not look the same. Uh, so Captain Kirk says that they can complete the examinations on uh, Bob and Nancy the next day and that they he calls the transporter room to have them beamed up. And I noticed that they got some new communicators compared to the pilot and they look a lot better. They don't have that weird like kind of waffle looking fold up thing on them. They kind of look like uh, a flip phone almost, which, you know, it again, I, I thought I thought it still had a cheese grater on it. I didn't no. look that close. Yeah, it had like a little clear uh, piece of plastic, uh, almost like oh, just a okay. little screen protector type thing and it was definitely a lot smaller so again like they kind of you know predicted uh, flip phones which is really cool and then at this point nancy turns to bob and she's like hey you know did you tell them we need some some more salt and he's like yeah you know i'll, I'll take care of it whatever but back on the enterprise uh, mr spock is reprimanding uhura over a log error and so we get to see uhura for the first time and the first thing that i noticed was that there's no way in hell those earrings are regulation that girl's got green hoop earrings with that red outfit and i feel like the military would be like you can't wear them freaking earrings in here but also are they military or are they just like a government thing i don't know like they have military ranks but well i guess they kind of have ship ranks don't they yeah they have ship ranks yeah huh Maybe, well, maybe they're not a military. Maybe I'll be I, wrong I about the both, aren't thing. they? Like a little bit of both. The 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 thing I noticed about uh is uh first of all she's wearing red. Like she has that red outfit on, which is super, super red. And then her hair, it's just such an uh, such an old school like style of way thing, a old school way of doing things. My only thing is uh again about this, what was the point of this whole this interaction? Yeah, and I think that's what we're coming on here is because during her conversation with Spock, she's like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to make a conversation. And then she's like, tells Spock to call her an attractive lady. And then she, he's just, he's not going to do that. And she asks him what his home planet of Vulcan looks like with a full moon. And he's like, well, Mm -hmm. Vulcan doesn't have a moon. And I think that trying to establish the fact that he's just a very cold, very logical guy, like doesn't really have emotions, you know, doesn't think about stuff like that. He's always the task on hand. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to establish there. Well, I also took that, I I took it as she was kind of thirsty also. Like, (laughs) oh, hey, how about some, uh. Dude, what is he that's exactly. That's how I took it. I took. I took it as uh, he was hitting on her. Like, like she, like she, uh, she was hitting on her the whole. Kept hitting on him over and over again, and he was just so, 
so not even paying attention to it. Like, like, oh, she's hitting on you, bro. Like, he, he didn't even like, know. That is illogical. Yeah, like, and, and he seems very uncomfortable about the conversation. Like, he's, like, confu- it seems like he's confused and uncomfortable about the conversation totally. He's like, he wants to, he like, he wants to have a conversation, but she just keeps bringing in the wrong things. Yeah. And so at this point, uh, a voice comes over the intercom and, uh, informs everyone that the landing party is returning and that they have one death. So everything gets kind of serious. Um, and then Ahura is, seems to be pretty upset that Spock's not concerned about the death. And he replies, he's like, well, you know, my concern wouldn't change what happened. So again, I think they're just trying to show that he's just a very cold, calculated guy. Like just, just no emotions over anything. He, like, he didn't care about that guy. Yeah. And he's like, what would be me, right. me being upset about it? Change that. Yeah. Like he, like he cares, but he's like, you know, like I care, but me being upset's not going to yeah, change. Yeah, like, what can I do about it? Yeah. Yeah, what can I do about it? Yeah. Uh, that's the the presumably the first death on uh, Spock's command. So, you know, see if we get more yeah. of that going forward. <laughs> uh, so Kirk and McCoy are now in the dispensary when Spock is on the video screen. Uh, he says that according to the records, a Borgia plant is uh, similar to Nightshade on Earth. Uh, it's poisonous. But the records don't show any reference to the purple modeling on, uh, or modeling, whatever you want to say that, on Darnell's face. Uh, so M- McCoy is e- immediately just like, well, Darnell wasn't poisoned. Uh, I did all of his tests and I couldn't find anything wrong with him. And honestly, there's no reason he shouldn't just get up and walk away right now. Yeah. Uh, moment. So on that screen, I was like, yo, what the is in his ear? Did you look in Spock's ear? Like he, 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 has to get, he has it on later too. He has it in his ear later, but it looks like a, I don't even know what it is. It's like one of the cart, one of the cartoon thing where the people put the horns in their ears, like joking around. It literally is a huge earplug that like, I don't even, who designed this, who, like, this is the first thing I ever seen in this show. I'm like, yo, this is a terrible design. Yeah. It looks like somebody took an old school microphone and shrank it down and just jammed it into his ear. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't get the point of it. Like even like your own screen talking like can you make the screen just the screen just uh have the communication through or is it a or that's how you search records or like i i don't i don't get it like i just it didn't make any sense to me it looked weird it didn't make any sense to me i just i don't even know what what it's doing there i'll be with you it's 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 a terrible so mccoy talks to kirk about how nancy looked when he first saw her and then you know how she looked again afterwards and Kirk just gets pissed and he's like, you know, that, that's, that does not interest me. We just lost a man and I just want to know how he died. Like immediately yeah. just like he's done with the bullshit and he, he wants to figure this whole thing out. Uh, so on the bridge, Uhura tells Kirk that they received a message that the starship base on Corinth uh, four is requesting an explanation of their delay because the enterprise is carrying urgent supplies. Uh, Kirk tells her to tell, them that they will get their chili peppers when they get there and that they're the finest ones from Mexico and he handpicked them all. Uh, At this point, Spock confirms that there are no errors in their records concerning the Borgia plant and that the uh, archaeologist and his wife are in perfect health, which just goes with what McCoy had said. Um, He says that they've been on the planet for five years. They've been visited frequently, but have received fewer drops in the last year. So those are not the first people that they've come across in quite a while. Uh, and this was the point where I had a note that talked about the weird microphone earpiece. So this was when I had first noticed it, which makes me think that it's just kind of a communication device, uh, because Uhura had the same thing in hers when she was getting the communication from the, uh, planet, the Corinth four. 
Oh, I didn't notice she had one too. I just, oh, okay. I, I noticed now that I've yeah, Paul, there when you were talking about that, that's who I thought you were talking about earlier. No, no, no. I saw it on Spock the first time, and then now I see it, now as I'm sitting there watching as I'm talking, I see it on you heard it too. I didn't even know she even had it. Yeah. Um. So at this point, uh, McCoy calls over the intercom, uh, gets a hold of Kirk, tells him to go to the dispensary, and just a stupid quick note: uh, the elevator door is red now, which looks really nice. I, I don't know why I noticed it. Just it's red. Uh, and there's no guard. Yeah, no weird guy taking a weird step. Apparently, they decided that that guy was just unnecessary, and his job could be done by air. Um, <laughs> so McCoy has found that Darnell had no salt in his body at all, and then there's a little bit of weird banter between McCurk and or McCoy and Kirk that didn't belong here in such a serious thing. Just kind of once again reinforcing their friendship. Uh, yeah. and Kirk mentions that Bob and Nancy went out of their way to mention salt because he found it really weird. And he's like, we're going to go back to this planet to ask questions. So again, Kirk is, uh, what the hell was that first captain's name? Pike. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah. he's kind of like Pike in that they immediately just figure everything out for the most part. Like they're not stupid. They don't put up with any bullshit and yeah. get, they're very loyal to their crew, which I guess is why they are captains. Uh, yeah, they seem to be. They seem to be really smart. Like they, I always thought the uh, uh, captains as the brawn guy, not not brains. But it seems more. I always thought it was that way into watching this right now. Watching it, like they seem to be very brainy and bronze, like a lot of brains. And if you're gonna send Good somebody out on a on a, a mission, you know, to kind of explore the galaxy, then I guess you really don't want to send just kind of like a, a dumbass out there, like in charge yeah, of a ship sense, when you have you know those sorts of weapons and those capabilities. You know, you don't want an idiot out there. Yep. Um, so back on the planet, uh, Bob's unhappy again to have them asking questions. Uh, Kirk sends a piece of the Borgia plant to be transported to Spock for analysis. Uh, Kirk and McCoy talk to Bob about the salt tablets and Darnell missing salt in his body. Uh, Bob's explanation of the salt tablets is like, you know, hey, we're on a hot and arid planet. You know, we need some salt. And Kirk, is he's just not buying it again you know he's super smart he kind of picks up on on these things and he's he's just not up for this so then kirk tells bob and nancy that they have to stay aboard the enterprise while they investigate the death of darnell and you know obviously they're not super happy about that uh so kirk calls spock to have him prepare a room for bob and nancy and spock confirms that the borgia plant could not have killed darnell and meanwhile when he makes this call to spock kirk and both mccoy turn their back to bob which is it's stupid move for a guy that you su- suspect may have had something to do with the murder of a crew member, and he just casually walks away from them, like leaves the room. I don't. Yeah. I, there's like, hey, here's this, here's this murder suspect. I got to make a phone call. Uh, let's turn our back to him. He definitely won't slip out. And then obviously he. I does. did. Um, I did. Uh, mark something. There was a quote in there I found very interesting. He's like, I don't understand mysteries, and. And this mystery mysteries give me a bellyache or something. Yeah, yeah. Is that some kind he of doesn't line stomach mysteries, I, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I can't say mystery. I thought that line was like it stuck with me. I was like, that's very clever in this in a strange way. It kind of like it describes this whole his his personality in a, in a nutshell. He's like, look, I'm here to enjoy. I'm here to do my job. I want to explore oh, things and understand what's going on. But I'm like, look, one of my guys died. We're not leaving until we figure out why he died. Not that, because like one life on my ship is just as important as everybody else. So we're not leaving this planet, and we'll, we'll, I'll stay here all day. We'll stay here for, delay everything until we find out why this guy, I need an explanation why he died. 
Like, just it. Just just because they're still stuck on that one guy. I want to explain why he died. I want to know why. I, I want to figure it out. Explain it to me. I get it explained. We can go. But since we don't, you know, I just, I feel that's, that's interesting in his personality where he's just kind of stuck on it. We got to figure this out, you know. Right. Well, it out, yeah, so. it's, it's his crew. So, yeah, you know, he's very loyal to his crew as he should be. Um, but outside, Bob finds another dead crewman and he starts yelling for Nancy, saying that he has some salt for her. Uh, she's not responding, not showing up, and he runs off to find her. Uh, she's standing next to another dead crewman. Uh, so the, the camera kind of cuts to her, and she's just kind of hanging out by this you know, dead kid. Uh, Kirk and McCoy go and look for Bob when they come across the dead crewman that Bob had found, and he is Crewman Sturgeon. So it's nice that we got a name for him, even though he didn't do anything but die. Uh, and then they start to yell out for Crewman Green, which you can assume is the one that Nancy had found i guess uh so at crewman green's body nancy is shown shape-shifting to look like crewman green or so now yeah it's definitely a little suspicious when people start turning into other people so the new green which is nancy uh reports to kirk and mccoy that he hasn't seen nancy uh kirk's gonna go back to the enterprise tells mccoy that he needs to think more logically you know kind of start stop thinking with your heart kind of thing um and that they have equipment on board that can pinpoint nancy and bob on the planet he's like you know we we can find a matchstick on this planet and that's pretty solid for kirk to just be like you know screw this on foot stuff we're just gonna go back up to our ship and just scan the whole damn planet because i ain't doing this right like, good good for him yeah, for, for yeah. thinking about that yeah make, make it more easy for yourself like you know i thought they could just beam up anybody want to beam up anyway I, was, I thought the whole time i thought why don't they just beam them up like, oh, you don't listen to me? Okay, be more. Like, they, like you know, they can't fight it. I assume that you, I assume, unless you have to be standing in a certain place or a certain area, which I, they haven't established that. I kind of thought the same thing also on that. Uh, I, I would assume that you would have to get a lock on somebody for that, right? Like, so maybe that's what they're trying to do is to go up and get a scan to find them to lock on them and bring them up. And like, hell, maybe the, the communicators that they have you know, help with that or something. Cause they always, you know, call like, Hey, you know, you're going to bring us up and these guys. So maybe that kind of acts as like a GPS sort of thing. I, I can't imagine you can just start beaming up, you know, stuff on a planet if you don't know where it is. So that's probably what this, yeah, this scan is going to be for. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, like imagine the shit you would come up with. Well, just like a, like a half a cactus and maybe like a shoe. They just, you yeah, just never get the guy. I assume, I assume you scan for any kind of thing with his signature or life. It's like beaming stuff up. Yeah, like lock, lock and I, on And that. obviously this planet is a desert planet, and they're saying there's not much life on this planet, and they're studying. So I haven't seen I haven't seen any birds or any animals. Yeah, yeah, I, that's I, a weird seen, thing, too. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any I animals at all, so I'm assuming everything on the planet is In both episodes. Dead. Yeah. Huh. Just weird-ass musical plants and uh, ancient ruins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Kirk and McCoy and the fake green are beamed to the Enterprise. Uh, Kirk calls Spock, tells him, hey, you know, get searching for Bob and Nancy on the planet. Uh, Sturgeons is dead and tells McCoy to go get some sleep, which is kind of random. He's like, this whole thing is going on. Like people are dying and he's like, Hey, go to bed. I, I, I think he was, but see once again, it's like, I want you at your best, take a nap, relax. Let, let's get, let's get a, let's get a fresh ear, the fresh eyes on what's going on. Yeah. And maybe you know, he's, he's like, you know, you're too involved in this. Get the hell out of my way. Sort of thing. Yeah. You, you've been, yeah. You've been up for uh, uh, so many times, all this time, you know, trying to figure things out. Take a break. Go take a nap, man. Get your, get your brain right. Let's go. Uh, so Kirk goes to the bridge with, or while the, the fake green finds a woman eating fruits and vegetables in the hallway and she starts to put salt on the vegetables and uh, fake green tries to take the salt 
and she just kind of stops him and gets in an elevator and uh do you see her hair yeah oh my god her hair uh it was you know oh man you you, you were digging it yeah <laughs> he likes that hairdo oh my god it was a it was a uh, i don't i i don't even know how to describe it it's like she has a bee a beehive on her head yeah, that's that 60s like, 60s do for like, sure Dude, there's no way that normal people wore that. They, had, they made this up for this show. There's no way nobody in the sixties wore a haircut like that. But like, if you think of like any show out. that any show or movie that takes place in the sixties, at least one woman has that hairdo. Like it has to be prominent oh, not, somewhere. Not, not that. Hair, maybe that, not, like six, maybe not to that extent, but something similar. She's about seven foot with that hair <laughs> with that hairstyle, man. It's like a foot high on her hair. I can't believe it. Hey, like, she was being Marge Simpson before Marge Simpson. Yeah, that was the that, inspiration. That, that is what it is. Yeah. Oh, the blonde Marge Simpson with some hair. Oh. Uh, the the other thing I noticed about her though is that her uniform skirt is incredibly short, like needlessly short. Oh, is it? Yeah. All, even, all of the women's are that. on there. It, it's kind of that. They, they know how to do it in the future. It's kind of that classic, like, you know, men, you know, pants and shirt, women just show yeah. your entire leg. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Spock uh, calls Kirk and tells him that they can only find one person on the planet. Uh, and then that's just kind of where they leave that. Uh, so the fake green follows the woman who we find out is named Janice uh, off the elevator where she suggests he go chase an asteroid. <laughs> she's, she's like, quit following around, you creep. Just go chase an asteroid. Uh, it's a very thing. That's a good thing to say. Go kick rocks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it was like the space version of kick rocks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the four, uh, so she runs into four men uh, in the hallway, and they make a joke. You know, oh, is that food for me? And she just kind of you know brushes it off and and walks away. And the one guy is like, oh, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't mind having her as my own personal yeoman. Like you had to, to, okay. to stick the man humor that, in there. Yeah, that turned yeoman, by the way. I wrote it down. I, I wonder if yeoman's a female job. Because so far, both yeomans we have seen have been females. That's a good point. I, I wrote that down because I, I, I'm not sure about it. Because, like, I thought about the yeoman from the first episode we watched. And uh, and, and the term yeoman, I, I, like, is it an assistant? Is it a, a – I assume it's, yeoman is an assistant. That's what I'm kind of getting at this point. Yeah. And the other thing is, and, like – I know they're like, you know, the guys just with his bros and they're, uh, they're making jokes, you know, doing, doing the whole man thing. Uh, but I get the feeling that if you were to sexually harass anybody on that ship, Captain Kirk is going to whoop your ass. Yeah. You know, he doesn't yeah, like just... his people being murdered and he probably doesn't like them being sexually harassed. Yeah. But for her, I feel like she enjoyed, like she, she smirked it off and like, you should give him a little, oh yeah, you like that. Like, oh, I know you want me, et cetera. And, I, and I'll move on. Or watch me as I walk away. It, it, it seemed like there's a lot like the females seem to be like strong females who do with a bunch of guys and men stuff. So like they're not. We haven't got to that uh, somebody being super offended like by the guys being be, you know being jerks or being just goofy or whatever. We haven't got there yet. So yeah, and I imagine you, if you spend a lot of time on a ship like that around you know guys like that, you kind of try to you eventually figure out how to handle that kind of thing. Yep. Um, so Janice takes the food to the life sciences department botany section where she delivers it to Sulu. So another one of those famous, uh, Star Trek characters. Uh, so Janice gives this weird screeching plant some like chin scratches while she's making conversation with Sulu. Uh, so fake green enters the room and the plant starts screeching really loud. Like it's very, very agitated. And so fake green just leaves in a hurry. 
Eh. Nancy makes a remark to Sulu that she thinks Green might be going space happy, which you know, like like ocean madness, but in space. Yeah, I was. I, I kind of assume. I, I already don't know about Sulu. I put he's the first like Asian person I've seen in the whole show. I wrote that down, and I the way he talked was like, oh my, it's not elegant, but like I can't use the right word. He has a very deep voice, not deep, just kind of uh, distinct voice. Yeah, distinct, distinct voice. Yeah, every, yeah, like every, every everything he said was very like powerful. I don't know. I, I just I thought he was a really cool character. I'm I'm really interested to see him more. And I also wrote down the plants were very unique too. Like I thought it was really cool. Like even they moved around, they had uh, life or whatever. I, th- I find that very cool. I, f- I find it very cool how the plants, like the whole, the whole, ba- the whole office area he was in was very uh, designed, very cool. Like the coloring, the plants, the the even where he where he was at. The only thing I noticed that if you look at his table, it looks like he has like a uh, spray bottles of um, different color liquids, huh, like like I didn't cleaning see that. spray bottles. Yeah, it's like they took clear spray bottles and put different color liquid liquids inside of them and have them there. I'm not sure if it's food for the plants. I'm not sure if it's cleaning supplies, but it's awfully close to his desk and his food. He's just spraying them down with different colored Windex. I, I noticed that there's more plant diversity on the ship so far than we, that we've seen on the planet that, oh, they, that they've yeah. been to. Yeah. And, well, we've only been to two desert planets, too. And, like, if they would have taken one of them, you know, musical weirdos up, you know, they go back to there and find one of those, I would just shut it off. I don't want to hear that damn thing anymore. Um, so, back in the hallway, uh, Uhura enters from an elevator, and Green shapeshifts into, uh, he looks like a maintenance man, I guess. Um, yeah. And, and so, she stops and talks to him. She's like, do I know you? And he's like, well, you know, you you know me when you get lonely and you think of somebody like me, which is a really weird ass thing to say, especially when you consider it's like uh, Nancy saying that, like, what's what's the goal here? So then they start. Well, he starts speaking a foreign language, which the subtitles told me were Swahili. Uh, So, okay, Uhura could be Swahili. You know, she speaks that language. That's fine. Whatever. How the hell does Nancy speak that language just because she turned into a guy from there? Well, that it's not even that. It's the fact that this is the first time I noticed that she could read minds. See, that never got explained earlier because she, everybody we see her changing to was because of a was was because of uh, thinking thinking about that. The only, I, I forgot about it earlier. You're talking about Nancy, she, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, okay. when she changed it to somebody, yeah, like way earlier when we first met the first guy, she turned into that pleasure planet guy. I should have noticed it, but it didn't end up in my mind. This time we actually see her said, "Oh, you were thinking of me," and she changed into that person's person. Like oh. I didn't, I didn't think about that earlier. You're right. I didn't even put that together. How would she have known who to yeah. change into for Darnell? Yeah. So I've, I, I didn't put it together till this time. I was like, "Oh, she was able to read minds too." Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that at all. Wow, that's a really yeah. good observation. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not sure exactly how her the, her abilities work. But I know she can read. I know she can read. She has to be able to read mine or sense your greatest desire. Or they haven't really explained exactly what she can do. Well, that doesn't make any sense. She doesn't have a big brain popping out of her head. How are we supposed to know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just interesting. I mean, when she changed it to that, that's when I realized, oh, she can read minds. Because she makes the comment, oh, you just thinking of this person. I thought, oh, thinking that means she can read minds. Yeah, wow, which, I didn't which, even put that together. Yeah, which really put me into a different a different area for the alien. I thought, oh, okay, this is interest, interesting. She can read minds. Yeah. Uh, 
So, so at this point, Uhura gets called back to the bridge, and uh, the maintenance-looking guy just puts his hands up like he's going to strangle her, and she's just kind of caught off guard and, and really does nothing about it. Uh, so Janice and Sulu come out of the door and kind of interrupt it, and Uhuru just leaves with them, you know, giving a kind of bewildered look. Uh, the thing that <laughs> that I notice about that scene is that in that, like, maybe 30-second uh Point where it looks like he's going to strangle her Kirk summons Uhuru to the bridge three times in less than a minute and it's like dude it's a big ass ship you know maybe give her a second like maybe, right. maybe, maybe she was in the like, bathroom I called you yeah. why have you not answered yeah, three times in yeah. like a 30 second period like dude give her a second damn um I'm not sure if uh she was supposed to communicate if they use communicators instead of come did she did she communicate on on the way to the bridge she did. Yeah, Remember, she, she called up she, through no, like a she, speaker. No, she walked to the panel. Yeah, she walked up to the panel. I assume he was waiting for her to walk up to a panel and and say confirmed or I'm coming. I'm on my way, which is why he said it multiple times. But he, she could have been in the shower. He doesn't yeah, know she that. Been, like going to the bathroom yeah. or something. Like chill, chill out, yeah, dude. I, 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 I'm not sure. He's like, yeah, I need you. I need you now. Uh, so elsewhere uh, in McCoy's quarters, he's trying to sleep. Uh, but he's having some trouble sleeping. He calls Kirk on the bridge, and Kirk is just like, just take a sleeping pill, you fucking dumbass. Like, I'm trying to do this thing. Uh, and Nancy's just kind of wandering around the ship. So on the bridge, uh, Spock and Kirk are discussing going after uh, Bob, and they're like, yeah, let's just go back to the planet. Screw this. We're just going to go get him. We know where he is. Uh, so at this point, we go back to you know Nancy as the maintenance guy, and she finds uh, McCoy's room, and shape shifts back into herself. And as McCoy's getting ready to leave the, the room, he kind of runs into her. So he's like, oh, you know, why don't you come in here? You know, I'm, I'm glad Kirk found you. I wish you would have told me something, blah, blah, blah. And then she's, she gets, you know, she starts playing the, the scared victim role and kind of cuddles up to him and, and then tells him he should get some rest. So everybody just wants him to sleep. So back in the hallway, uh, Sulu and Janice find the body of a maintenance tech, which is the one she shapeshifted into. And he is also covered with the, the purple modeling on his face. Uh, McCoy still trying to rest when he gets paged for an emergency he tries to get up but man Nancy's like no you know just stay here go to bed whatever uh, there's a lot of switching around here a lot of back and forth like you know between the bridge and you know McCoy and everything going on in the hallway yeah yep yeah um, so Uhuru pages McCoy to the bridge but he has fallen asleep like immediately and Nancy's still in the room and shapeshifts into him and then leaves his quarters and heads for the bridge and at this time i'm thinking i swear to god if we get one of those shoot him he's the bad guy no shoot him he's the bad guy scenario i'm gonna be pretty unhappy about it <laughs> like, i don't i, don't I do want to point that. out that she had the chance to attack him while he was passed out and decided not to which is which is i found interesting too i found that i found it interesting where she had she's had him on the bed she was rubbing or like rubbing his face mccoy's face or whatever like she could have killed him because uh, I'm McCoy, I know he's one of the main characters. They wouldn't do that, but I'm like, she had to, uh, but didn't do well, it. That lets you know that she cares about him, or that's how I took it. Either that, or she knows that he cares about her and is going to try to protect her in this situation. So you probably shouldn't kill like the only person, well, one of the few people trying to help you. I mean, yeah. that's true. Uh, another thing also is, uh, did they give him a sleeping pill or something? Like, how is he sleeping? Well, Kirk told yes. him to take one. We didn't see him take one, so maybe he did follow that advice and just took like a sleeping pill. Didn't she uh, give him like a big bottle of red pills? I, I'm not sure. I, 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 honestly, I'm not sure. I, I didn't know. I didn't notice that uh, part because I was like, because when I saw the red pills, I thought of the Matrix. That's why I kind of remember it. 
For real. I, I thought the same thing, too. You know, I think you're right when she tried to tell him to go back to sleep. I think she did give him something like that. Um, but at this point, uh, we're back to uh, Kirk narrating his captain's log and he kind of speculates that nancy has some sort of hypnotic power to pacify her targets before she kills them i don't know why he would uh think that at this point like there's kind of no evidence to, to suggest that but paul that goes along with uh what you thought about you know her ability to kind of reach into people's mind or, or at least you know read it on the surface level i do i do want to say that the speculation that there's been no struggle apparently that they were just up ended and killed would make me yeah. kind of think that's how he could come to that conclusion that does make sense and i i think that if they were going for that i, I kind of wish they would have said that but see the thing about this show is like a lot of this stuff is like done really smart so they're kind of expecting you to be able to put the put the pieces together like they give you a and c but they want you to figure out b yeah, but I feel like it's really weird, like, some of the things that they do leave to you while the crew immediately figures out everything else. Yeah, because, like, if you notice, uh, when uh, she attacked Yohara uh, earlier, when he, when he attacked, uh, she, she had, he had his hands up or whatever, and she was kind of staring at him, and she wasn't moving. And, one, and once the other people came in and kind of broke the concentration, he, he looked over them for a minute, and she looked at him and kind of walked away kind of kind of scared when she went to use the speaker. So it's, I, that's when I put together, oh, she must be able to get people uh, into their brain so they can't move and they're struggling and they can't move, and then she got distracted, and then she got away. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, not really like a frozen with fear, like frozen with uh, telepathy kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, I'm assuming. Um, so back on the planet, uh, Kirk and Spock find Bob hiding behind a rock, which is a big ass rock. And they start asking about Nancy, but he's like, Hey, you know, I'm armed and you just need to go away. That's all this guy wants. He wants salt. He wants you to go away. Uh, so Kirk just kind of, you know, presses the matter a little further and, uh, he gets a communication that there's another casualty on the ship. Uh, while at this point, Spock is kind of looking around and he finds the body of the real green. So now they know that they have uh, an intruder. So they conclude that, you know, the fake green beamed up to the ship with them and now he's, you know, running around doing his thing and they call Sulu and warn him, you know, hey, there's an intruder on the ship. And so on the Enterprise, Sulu takes them to an alert level three, which I don't, I don't know the significance of that. Um, Spock and Kirk agree to take the professor alive and then he's just like, fuck it and just shoots at him. Uh, so Kirk is like, all right, you know, you set your phaser on one quarter and I'll put mine on stun. And I wonder how lethal like one quarter power would be. It, obviously, it's going to hit harder than stun, but is, is it still like to incapacitate? Yeah, I did put a note like when he when he called that general quarters three uh, alert and everybody, you know, they had that montage. Everybody was like uh, going down and, and getting inside the uh, the rooms. You need to go to your rooms, lock your door. OK, I swear this guy has a beehive suit on. Yeah. He's just, he's farming space bees. I was like, this is very, very weird. Like, I, I know the design, I know what they had, what to work with design-wise. I just thought it was strange that a guy with a beehive suit just came walking by. Yeah. Uh, like, are they farming space bees at that point? Like, are they just getting space honey or? I, 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 I don't even know what they're doing. All I know is the fact that he just... I don't know, just a beehive guy was beehive to walk by. I was like, that's kind of weird. Well, the nice thing is, though, at least, you know, they're they're kind of subtly telling you that there's a lot going on on that ship. You know, it's a big ship. There's a lot of people doing a lot of different things. They ain't going to explain any of it. They're just going to give you a guy in, in a bee suit and just kind of leave it at that. Yep. Uh, so back on the ship, uh, Nancy, still disguised as McCoy, enters the bridge. 
they're looking for a crewman green, I guess. Uh, so Fake McCoy asks Sulu about the creature that they're chasing. And Sulu is really suspicious of the word creature. He's like, creature? Like, what do you mean creature? Like, we're looking for a person. Uh, but then the Fake McCoy offers to help. And what that kind of shows so far is that nobody in this show is incompetent. Like, they pick up on the smallest things. Like, Sulu is immediately like, a creature? What the hell are you talking about? Like, we're, we're just chasing a person so everybody on the show at least you know they notice everything that's out of the ordinary which i can't say that i would have been the same i would have just been like oh you creature whatever uh they all pull their way yeah yeah which which is really interesting like you don't have so far a single like dumb or you know character that just notices nothing so back on the planet kirk and spock are trying to get work their position closer to crater uh from different angles Spock actually yells Crater's name. When Crater turns to look that way, uh, Kirk shoots him and stuns him from the other direction. But the weird thing about the cut is that the direction he turned to, to Spock's voice, was the direction he got shot from, from Kirk. It's just like kind of a, a small like editing mistake there or something. Like I feel like he should have turned to his left and then shot from his right, but he turned to his right and then was shot from his right. Oh, I didn't notice oh, that's, that. Yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even notice that at all. Yeah, uh, so it made it seem like Spock and, and Kirk were on in the same area when they were like really on opposite sides oh, of him. Oh yeah yeah. Uh my issue I put what the, that stun effect the stun effect the sound even the CGI of it I found just terrible. Really? Cuz I have my note says that I liked it. <laughs> I know dude, that I, I liked I, it. I, dude, I I found it terrible. I was like, yo, this is a like for all this cool CGI stuff is going on, all this cool stuff. This is a terrible stun issue. Oh, I liked it. Like it like, I didn't like it at all. I was like, yo, that, it's, it sounds funny. It looked goofy. It, it, everything about it was just so, it was, uh, it was so, it was so retro. It was too retro. I don't know. I don't know how to describe oh. it. I, just, I, don't like I it have to agree with Paul on this one. Oh my God. No, I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I, I, I made a note that I liked it that much. You do. I, I don't like it at all, bro. I, don't, I swear I don't like it at all. I thought, yo, this is bad. And then after he got stunned or whatever, like, the fact that he w- took him a minute to get his wits about him, like he was like, oh, it, it, it was like, oh, I got to think, uh, I'm confused, like ask the questions or whatever. I find that interesting. Yeah, so it seems to act more as like uh, a concussion grenade or like a flashbang, like something to just disorient you and not so much incapacitate you, like, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of fry you for a second. Uh, it, yeah. So after uh, Crater gets stunned, he Kirk starts asking about his wife and, and Crater starts explaining that she is the last of her kind on this planet. And, you know, he starts, you know, she's like the buffalo on Earth. You know, she's going extinct. She's the last one. Uh, so his voice, his, his voice sounds really, really low. Like, like I, don't, I know there's like, okay, like helium makes your voice high. And I know there's another gas that makes your mm-hmm. voice really low. And it sounds like he was just sucking on that. And you can tell yeah. he's kind of having trouble thinking. Uh, so he t- starts talking about the you know the extinction of several creatures. Uh, doesn't specifically say what happened to Nancy's kind though, which is weird. But I guess on a you know a dry arid planet where they need salt, uh, like Dan had mentioned earlier, there are no other you know so far that we've seen, there's no other life forms on that planet. So I wonder if her creatures you know maybe took all the salt from them and made everything else go extinct, and then they started to die off. But it really seems like that sort of creature would not have evolved to live on that planet to begin with. So I'm not entirely sure. Right. You know how they started dying out or what they were even doing there to begin with. Uh, But then Bob reveals that the creature killed his wife a year or two ago and that, you know, she's buried on some hill over there. 
so at this point, uh, Kirk calls Sulu and tells him, you know, hey, it's a creature, it can assume any shape. And they increase the alert level again and prepare to beam up uh, while Crater tells them about how, you know, she needs salt to survive, but, you know, they ran out. And so that's why she's, you know, killing them off. Before we move on, did anyone else notice that Spock was not sweating on the planet? No, I did not. Uh, nah. The the other characters all were. Well, I don't think I don't think Nancy was either, or I don't remember her sweating. Huh? No, I didn't notice no, that. I, I I didn't notice that either. I didn't I didn't notice that at all. But it's, do we do we ask do we know what that Spock is a Vulcan or not? Or is that had... well, he he mentioned he's from the planet Vulcan. So I, yeah, so he's Vulcan. Okay, okay, okay. So they mentioned that. Okay, I, we, well, I know we know he's different. I just don't, don't know if we knew exactly what he was. Yeah, he mentioned uh, during the whole Uhura thing that Vulcan has no moon, so he's you know he's from yeah, Vulcan. Okay, so maybe they maybe they don't sweat. Uh, maybe they can't sweat. Maybe I'm not sure. Well, different biology from humans, so I I wonder if that was their way of uh, portraying that on screen, like, oh hey, he's not a human. If you don't right, know. which if so, that's a, a very small. Uh, detail, which which is actually really cool if that's the intent, because uh, I did, I certainly didn't notice it. So back on the Enterprise, the main crew are kind of sitting around a table and reporting, you know, what's happened so far. Uh, the fake McCoy suggests that they <laughs> offer the creature some salt without tricking it, so that it has no reason to attack them. And at this point, uh, Crater looks at McCoy and he's like, "Yeah, that's that's Nancy. You know, that I recognize yeah. you." So then Kirk asks Crater, he's like, hey, can you recognize that thing if you see it? Uh, and the fake McCoy and Crater kind of look uneasy and they don't they don't answer him. They just don't say anything. So Kirk is like, well, you know, I'll, I'll forego, all, forego all of the charges uh, if you tell me where the creature is right now. Crater kind of blows that off and starts talking about how much he loved, you know, the real Nancy. And, you know, says the creature you know, just kind of wants love as much as it needs salt. Uh, so Kirk asks, asks him again. He's like, you know, can you see this thing, whatever form it takes? Are you, you going to help me find this thing? And Crater's like, no, I'm not going to help you do shit. Like, what is it? For a guy that's trying to not get this thing killed, he is very uncooperative. Like, I feel yeah. like, okay, it's killed a bunch of people. You know, obviously that's a bad thing. Kirk probably won't kill it, but at the very least would take it into custody. And at least it would get to be alive at that point. But he's just like, nah, fuck it. So Spock is just like, well, you know, if he's not going to say anything, then maybe we should use a truth serum. To which Kirk asks the fake McCoy if he thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> and, you know, Nancy in disguise is just like, yeah, do it. <laughs> like, goddamn. Yeah. Another, another thing I noticed in the scene, though, uh, it said it needed love as much as it needs salt. And that may be my brain thought, oh, maybe that's why she didn't mess with McCoy. Yeah, that because, could be. you know, because the way, because she... She says something subtle in the same area. Like she says, "I, I don't. The way my husband feels, I don't really care about. I like the way you, the way that you make me feel, or something like that." Implying, kind of like a subtle thing, implying that the way that um, Bones looks at Nancy is so loving and caring that the the creature wants that and and and, and feels that way because the her the um the husband uh, knows that the creature is not the real wife. McCoy doesn't know that. That's actually yeah, that's true. At this point, he still doesn't know. Yeah, so so the feelings are so when so when the, the feelings when he sees Nancy is, is strong, and I'm wondering if if uh, since she can read minds and things like that, I'm wondering if that's why she won't hurt him because she realizes that she cares about Nancy so much that he 
you know, he feels he feels real deep for her, and she can feel that love as long as her wanting to have salt, too. Yeah, maybe that's the answer to the whole right. thing is just uh, before McCoy wakes up, just dump him and Nancy on the planet and drop off some salt every, like, six months, <laughs> and everything will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> just sorry, yeah, but you so got to go I, live yeah. here now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the – I mean, I, I know it's a little bit too – they're getting too, way too deep, but, like, I just felt like – I feel like if if it said when he said she needs love as much as she needs salt, I thought that was a very particular strange thing to say. And I thought that when, when I just thought, okay, maybe she actually needs to be loved. No, maybe yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, I think that's a, a a fair point to make. Yeah. During that whole uh, interaction, I feel like Spock was getting really suspicious of Doctor McCoy. Yeah. Which would lead into when they were to go to leave to go get the. The truth serum that's like, oh, I'll go with you. Yeah, so so at that point, um, Spock and uh, the fake McCoy take Carter to the dispensary. Um, and shortly after that, like very shortly after that, uh, Kirk is summoned to the dispensary where he finds Spock on a table. And, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I was super curious about McCoy. And when we got here, I got knocked out and they stole my phaser. At this point, uh, Janice is with them, and she finds uh, Dr. Crater in a corner. He's dead. He's got the purple marks. So, you know, Nancy obviously took the, the salt from his body. Kirk mentions how Nancy could have killed Spock when he's on the table. And he says that his body salts are different than that of everyone else. So that kind of lends back to, uh, Dan, what you had thought of with him, you know, not sweating on the planet is obviously, yeah, his, his uh, chemical makeup is a little different there if his body salts are not the same. And that was a good way of showing it earlier in the episode. Yeah, very subtle that I, I did not pick up on. So at this point, uh, the fake McCoy goes back to the real McCoy's room uh, and becomes Nancy again. And she wakes him up and says, she's, oh, you know, the, truth, the crew's trying to kill me and I, and I need your help. Uh, Kirk enters the room and it immediately explains what's happening. Like, And this is what I like. There's not that bullshit where he comes in and like starts, yep. you know, trying to capture Nancy and then McCoy tries to stop him. Like none of that. He immediately was like, look, this is what's happening right here. Like, we're not going to, you know, fight about this. This is exactly what's going on. But then McCoy refuses to move out of the way so that Kirk can get to Nancy. So even though he knows what's going on, he's, he's just like, he doesn't believe it or something. Yeah. It's weird because like with everything going on, like I, why is he not smarter? Like, yeah. like the like like Bones is doing everything so smart this whole episode, except with if Osman is female. And then I thought, man, guys are so stupid when it comes to women sometimes. Yeah, his like, first like, like the like, first instance of really any stupidity came from him. Yeah, yeah, and it's literally it's all revolving around this female. Like literally. It's all, like she, there's something wrong about her, man. Like you like, oh man, I I I I I think it's different. Oh, uh, I think it's okay. Like he just he has that that, that the guy personality where your brain gets shit off when it comes to women, and I, I understand when the very beginning, Kurt, uh, he said, uh, he said, oh, th this is his one, like this is his one. So you kind of get him being a little extra, but but at the same time, like extra? all of the shit they've seen to this point, like he's supposed to be just as smart as all of these other people, if not smarter. So for him to yeah. to not you know, heed what the captain is saying is, is just frankly a little bit silly. Like I fully expected yeah. him to be like, Oh shit, well here, take her then. What is it? Like love blinds all or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, 
Kirk offers Nancy some salt tablets, and she's like, oh, shit, yeah. So McCoy actually attacks Captain Kirk and tries to take his phaser while Nancy's just kind of off to the side, like, just chowing down on these tablets. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, which I wonder yeah. what those really were, like, on set. Obviously, they're not going to just, like, hand her a shit ton of salt tablets. Powdered sugar, maybe? Yeah, something good. Cocaine. Oh, Jesus Christ. Cocaine! <laughs> hey, it's the 60s. Cocaine, cocaine pills? It's the 60s. <laughs> Oh my god, cocaine. Oh, that was funny. So at this point, uh, uh, Kirk pushes McCoy away, and Nancy starts to do her, her hypnotism thing on Kirk, and starts to like, you know, put her hands on his face or whatever. So Spock enters the room, and he <laughs> says, "The creature is killing the captain." <laughs> like, yeah, we we got that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can see. So he tells McCoy to shoot it, and McCoy's just like, "No, I'm an idiot now." So no. Um, Spock runs and pulls Nancy off of Captain Kirk and tells McCoy to shoot her. And he's still just like, no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I'm not really up for that today. Uh, so Stock, uh, Spock just starts beating the shit out of Nancy with these like Yo, wrestling double axe handle her. attacks. Just double <laughs> axe handles over and over. Just not both holding hands, back. Yeah. Both hands, he's like, yuck, yuck. <laughs> He didn't hold back at all. Just starts beating the oh, absolute fuck at her. <laughs> I, listen, I don't know why. Spock, I don't, I don't, Spock will hit a bitch. Oh my god, dude! I I I, I shouldn't feel bad about this, but sometimes when you see men beat up women like in stuff like this, like when it's extra, this shit cracks me up because he threw his whole he threw his whole life into that punch. She's like, oh, and she's like, oh, what 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 are you doing? And like, obviously, we all like, know, you know, that he's not just beating up some lady; he's beating some fucking creature. Yeah. But dude, he did dude, not hold dude. back. No, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> he just went, oh my god, it was so funny. But then she just fucking backhands him across the room like it's nothing. She did, she yep. no sold those double axe handles and just backhands him yep. all the way across the room. So at that yep. point, McCoy is like, oh, something ain't right. Like he's like, I've, I've felt those double axe handles before. I know no human being can live through that. <laughs> so. so uh Nancy goes for Kirk again, and he just lets out this this terrible, terrible yell. And I don't mean terrible as in, like, it sounded painful. Like, terrible as in he doesn't know how to pretend that he's in pain, like, yeah. as William yeah. Shatner. Uh, yeah. So then McCoy sees Nancy in her true form, which is a weird rubber mask with white hair and three fingers with suction cups. You know you know what? I let it go. I, I, thought, I thought it was – I actually didn't mind it. Yeah, you, yeah, we have to keep in mind that it is the 60s. And and for a creature design at that time, it's original. It it doesn't look yep. bad, you know. Just in nope. today's standards, you know, it, it probably wouldn't hold up. But then, for some reason, I had the thought. Bob seems like he was, you know, he missed his wife. He missed the real Nancy, and he seems like he had some mm. sort of very loving relationship with the fake Nancy. Did they sleep together? Mm. And did he sleep with <laughs> that thing? Of course he was. What do you mean? He was on that. He was on that, that place for a year. They definitely were sleeping together. Come on, did, man. did he ever see her like that? Is this weird, like... Uh, oh. She, the, I'm not sure. The rubber mask thing actually kind of reminds me of, like, the shy guys from Super Mario. I don't know why. Like, it just has that weird, like, little suction oh, face yeah. thing. Little suction face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, so, okay, this is where Nancy starts getting this, the, the salt out of Kirk's face, and he's screaming, and then McCoy shoots her. And so then she changes back to the Nancy form and tries to appeal to McCoy. And he's like, no, I'm not stupid anymore. And he shoots her again. So then she, you know, changes back to her, her suction cup form and, and dies. Mm. And that's, that's kind of the end of her. Um, 
So we, the, I do have an issue with the whole, the whole scene, by the way. I just why did he wait so long to shoot this this creature? Yeah, I mean, I just like I just with everything going on and like I know he cared about the girl and whatever, but you can sense something is off, and he just he he seems so naive that it kind of annoys me. At this, maybe in the in the future he'll do some more doctory things. So I think like he's really good. Right now I'm just annoyed by the whole character. I just you you put everybody you put everybody in the ship in danger because this chick you you haven't seen in ten years. You know it's just I can tell you I don't know. with a hundred percent certainty, and I will accept no other explanation of this that it was in fact Spock's double axe handles that brought him back out of it because he knows no human being can live through those. He, he's, <laughs> he's seen it happen time and time again. No, but he still hesitated though. After the box, the, the fight, she still got to get the curve. After, if, if, if he, he, the box, he just came right, uh, oh, what the, what's Spock hitting her? She, she ain't moving, bam, immediately. You, you shoot her down then, you know, oh, then he starts. It's like he couldn't accept reality at the, that moment. And then also, I wonder, they didn't explain it, but like the only explanation I have is the creature was able to tap into something inside their brain to make the person love them. Oh. Like, like it doesn't really explain that, but like the way he was acting, he was like, he was in love with this creature. The only thing I could think is the fact that the creature was able to manipulate the person's uh, mind to ha- have them have that true feelings about that creature, no matter what. Cause even after he killed her, even after he, as he killed her, he was still hurt. I think that's a fair point. I think that it was more than what we touched on earlier with the fact that, you know, Nancy is the one that got away and that even though he knows that that creature is not Nancy, it still looks like Nancy. So it's one of those, one of those cliches now where it's hard to shoot something that looks like somebody that you love. Like, I I don't think that she had any sort of, you know, ability to make anybody love her. Cause if that was the case, she'd be walking around that ship like a God, like everybody would love her. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think it's just that whole, you know, she's the one that got away, you know, looks like Nancy still, and he doesn't want to have to be the one to put her down. But in the end, at least he did the right thing. Um, so later on the bridge, uh, you know, Kirk is kind of, you know, just thinking things over and, and uh, you know, makes some remark that he was, you know, thinking about the buffalo. You, McCoy's like, oh, you know, what are you thinking about? And he's like, oh, you know, I was thinking about the buffalo. Uh, and so McCoy just kind of gives him a smirk and then they go to warp one and they leave presumably it's presumably to deliver the, the chilies. Paul, your thoughts on this episode? Um, on the last scene though, is it thinking about the Buffalo? I think he realized they just, uh, killed a, a species to extinction. It just killed the last, last of a kind. And I think, I think he's like really thinking about that. But honestly, uh, fuck that species. Like, I don't want somebody hypnotizing yeah. me and sucking the salt out of my body. Oh uh, yeah. Episode. Let's see. I put down, uh, it seems to be a, a trend for the first episode that alien women equal trouble. I, I'm just, I'm just gonna put it out there. I, I'm just gonna put it out there. Maybe it may change in episode three. I don't know. But it's just the alien woman as this crew, uh, run. Listen, isn't that just okay. a fact of life though? Yeah, I know, but you know the alien women seem to—they got powers and they trouble. So it's a, it's a double dose, you know. Um, Maybe that's why Captain Kirk is always catching on right away. He's like, hey, I've been down this road once or twice already. Yeah, yeah. I also uh, noted that I liked the um, the music outro, but I also noticed. Did you notice the end credits were from the pilot episode? I did not. I don't think I stuck no. around for the credits. Yeah, so I, I actually watched the end credits. Is that all the the end credits or whatever? 
all the scenes in the background of the end credits that they put them on are actually from the the original pilot. That's really weird, especially when you think about the fact that the pilot wouldn't have aired for another twenty one years. Exactly. I I literally yeah, Martha. Yeah, I went to the in, I looked at the end credits or whatever, and they showed the end credits, and they were showing like uh, picture scenes, like little picture scenes as they, as they did everything, and then um, it just it was scenes from the original pilot. That's all, that's the only reason I recognized what it was. That's very interesting to me. Huh. Uh, yeah. So, what do you think overall? The episode like it disliked it uh, uh you know comp- compared to the other episode i had to kind of compare the two i actually like the other one better this was okay to me like and it just i think it's because i'm over the alien and women idea of the alien women the whole montage of it all i did think that i i did think the the salt thing was really original i've never ever ever seen a show ever entire life where the creature lived on salt as the like as the uh as the thing they need to live on. I find that super original. I don't even know who thought of that. I thought, that's kind of cool. You know, I, I never, I, I never heard that ever. I, I heard of, uh, you know, they need to eat people, you know, marrow, yeah, all this stuff. Like blood, but I never, yeah. blood, yeah, blood like vampires, but I never heard salt. I thought it was really, really original. And uh, like, overall, I like the show. I like where it's going. Um, I like the episode. It's okay. I do like that we have a lot more diversity in the characters now. Like diversity character, and that's just, and that's like a race, and that's a race thing too. Like I, I, I'm glad that is there. They seem to be uh, uh, be more inclusive with different races, things that are going on. So you know that this galaxy is a lot more different people, a lot, a lot, uh, a lot of things going on. And I'm hoping, and I'm hoping to see more of that dynamic between the characters because I think we kind of got who the main characters are. And I'm hoping to see more of their friendship and dynamic as we go along. So overall, the episode at eight at, at a ten, I'll give it maybe a seven. I mean, it's for a pilot. It's kind of not piloty. If, if we if we if we consider this a pilot, like I don't, they didn't really introduce any characters. Like they kind of just threw you in the middle of the through the middle of the ocean and said, "Hey, just swim." We're, we're gonna have all this information out there and everything going on. You just kind of kind of assume. Okay, so what you know. here's the thing about that. In my very limited research on this series, and I mean like super limited because I want to go into this all new. The the first few episodes actually aired out of order. So I want to say this was actually supposed to have been like the second or third episode. And the third episode was supposed to be the first. So we're going to hit a weird point where we watch an episode where they're like, oh, hey, you know, I'm Captain Kirk. Like, no, we know that already because they aired them out of yeah, order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but to that end, uh, I, I actually really like the episode. Um, I like that... None of, you know, aside from a brief instance with McCoy, none of the characters are idiots. Uh, they all seem to have good heads and everything screwed on straight. Um, the only thing about that is all of them being, you know, the these super smart, you know, no bullshit people is that it kind of makes all of the characters feel the same so far. Like there's really nothing about them that feels too different aside from Spock because Spock's got the whole, you know, cold, calculated, logical approach. Everyone else kind of feels like they're the same character. Like you could just swap them at any point, and it, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, so I, call, I hope that in the future, you know, we do get a little more development and, and kind of make them, you know, stand out in their own right. Because they're all kind of, you know, obviously, you know, Captain Kirk is, you know, the big one. You know, he's smart. He cares about his people. You know, he's the guy in charge. But, but really, everybody else is just kind of the same. So, like I said, I hope we get to flesh that out a little bit more. Uh, I, I, I also liked the salt thing. I, I thought that it was a, a nice twist. I don't know, you know, prior to this point in televisions and movies, what the uh, cliche would have been, probably something like blood, you know, vampires or whatever. So it, it was a nice twist on that. Um, 
I do like that they leave enough of a mystery for the viewer to try to piece things together, but I do feel like they do kind of give away too much very early. Uh, but but I get also, you know, it's it's TV. You know, they have an, probably an hour time slot or an hour and a half or whatever. Uh, overall, though, I, I, I really liked it. Um, I, I don't I don't really want to use like a number scale just because I'm terrible at that. Uh, but but compared to the pilot, I, I would put them uh, pretty much on even ground, I think. Yeah, I just I'm kind, of, I'm kind of excited to see what they have going forward. I hope that the trend of uh, some kind of, you know, mental powers does not continue. Um, and like you had mentioned, you know, the different races and things on the bridge was nice to see, a, you know, a nice difference from the pilot. But they're all aside from Spock, they're all human. So I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of a diversity from there. But really, for creature design, it seems like they have like rubber mask or bodysuit, and you wouldn't want that on camera all the time anyway. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm pretty excited to to go forward and, and see what the series brings. Uh, Dan, what did you think about this one? Overall, I would say I enjoyed the episode. Uh, the highlight of the episode for me was when Spock started beating on Nancy. <laughs> Spock is starting to be my favorite character right out, right out of the gate. But I, I think that's kind of what you elaborated on, is that all the other characters seem like they're kind of the same. They don't have their own personality yet, which I think as time goes on, they will develop their own character. Um, what do you think? Like, good, bad, in the middle? I would say in the middle. Uh, I, I, I'm eager to see what they bring next. The other thing, too, that I, I really like about this show is the fact that it's not an everything worked out fine type of series. Like, people have legitimately just died in the middle of these episodes, and they're not coming back. And sure, it's not like main characters, you know, it's little side people yeah. created for the episodes. But but still, I wonder, you know, at the time, I, I feel like TV in like the, the late 60s, early 70s was a lot of, you know, everything works out at the end of the day type stuff. And, like Brady Bunch type show. Yeah. And, and while like the, the main characters have survived, you know, the first episode, there were quite a few people that did not. Like there's a sizable body count already. You know, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should uh, do like a body count meter. Like, <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah, just like, you know, let's count bodies. Let's just see how many bodies are in, uh, in a season. Like, oh, it's a 105 body season. Like, ooh. <laughs> like, damn, they, they lost the whole ship the, rest of the, of the crew side. Like, oh, man, he's lost 100 people in like two and a half months. Like, like this is not a very good captain. Let's be, let's be, like, we know, we know captain, the captain's a good captain. But at this point, like, if we go on episode, episode, they lose some people left and right. Oh, dude lost, uh, Captain Pike lost a bunch in, the, in his little planet before right before we met him. Yeah. Like, you hit that point where when you graduate from the, the academy and they're like, well, we're going to assign you to the Enterprise. You're like, fuck. <laughs> like, I'm, oh, I'm not going to make it. Like, I got 350 bodies. Okay, let's just make let's, let's, 300 by the end of the year. We're going to lose 50 this year. I'm going to lose 50. Like, your goal is to not get people to die. I just, it, I don't know. It's just interesting. I would like to think every time Captain Kirk uploads uh, uh, information to his superiors, mm -hmm. They're like, will you quit taking the janitors down to the planet with you? They're just being killed <laughs> off left and right. Like, listen, I, I know that they're, you know, more expendable than the crew, but God damn it, we're getting a reputation here. Like, nobody wants to go clean your ship. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you, need, you need, like, a security force. 
and stop spending all this time at Wrigley's Pleasure Planet. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been gone for three hey, years my and con- spent a year there. My contract I get to go there once a week. Is <laughs> it so once a week? Oh. We got to keep taking condoms. <laughs> That's that's the the biggest thing that they have to resupply. They're like, oh, you know, we need a couple of bottles of ketchup, uh, you know, a, a couple of new shirts, and can you get us uh, three crates of condoms? <laughs> three crates of condoms? What are you guys doing on that ship? <laughs> Everything. That's question. Like, oh, you you know. Uh, so that's pretty much going to wrap it up for today. Uh, the next episode is going to be season one, episode two. Charlie X is the title of it. Uh, so hey, we, at least we get a character introduced. I wonder if his last name is X. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, his name is Charlie. First name Professor. Uh, yeah, so that's gonna do it. Um, check us out on you know we have a Twitter. It's at wwst underscore podcast. Uh, we've got a YouTube if you prefer to listen there. Uh, just we're watching Star Trek on YouTube, and uh, that's pretty much gonna be it for me. So uh, yeah, I guess we'll catch everybody next time. Later. Later.